I'm here with Rachel Ullman. She's the director of the Given Institute and just did a great show with you today. And But I just wanted to hear a little bit about your backstory, like your upbringing and your Catholic Catholicism and how your parents raised you. Oh, great. Yeah, thanks for having me. I am born and bred from Baltimore, Maryland, and I have always been Catholic. My parents raised me in the Catholic faith and uh, something that I'm uh, especially grateful for in my childhood is that my parents had both had a personal relationship with Jesus uh, and cultivated that in me as I.e. Well. charismatic? Well, <laughs> I'm going to get to that, yes. You know, part of their story is they uh, were both raised Catholic, you know, born in the 50s and both raised Catholic, but soon left the faith after high school and mm -hmm. fell away. And then um, they got married and had a difficult marriage. And it was a moment that my mom fell to her knees and had prayed for the first time in a long time and asked God to save her marriage. That's early 70s? This was in the early 70s, yeah. Okay. And, um, and the Lord, um, she heard a voice when she asked that prayer. And, uh, and the Lord said to her, go to a Pentecostal meeting. <laughs> mm. And at that time, my mom didn't know what a Pentecostal meeting was. Mm. She literally looked up in the phone book, Pentecostal, okay. right? Trying to figure out what this meant. And she went to a local charismatic prayer meeting. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit and came to a in personal a Protestant church. with Jesus. Yeah. It was actually an Episcopalian church. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and then she then started to pray that my dad would have a similar experience. Right. And he did. And he came to know Jesus in a personal way. And that brought them back to their Catholic faith. Now, they were raised in Baltimore? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard George Weigel talk about that was a, the, like in the 50s, it was a, very much an intact Catholic culture, one of the last ones in the country or something, <laughs> I don't know. But, so, but it didn't impart the faith to them in a really deep way. Yeah. Well, I think it was just the culture at the time, yeah. you know, the rebellion of the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. when they were coming of age, right? Just a yeah. lot of confusion at that yeah. time. And you're you're definitely right about uh, the Catholicism of Baltimore. I mean, it's the yeah. premier see, the original diocese. And I mean, there's a Catholic church uh, every block mm -hmm. in the city, the largest Catholic school system at one point, no mm -hmm. longer, but so many Catholic high schools. You know, one of the funny things we say about Baltimore is if you meet somebody at the airport, at a bar, whatever, you don't ask them, where'd you go to college? When you say, where do you go to school? Where did mm -hmm. you go to school? It means, where'd you go to high school? Oh, typically right. a Catholic high school. It's a right. very deep-rooted uh, yeah. Catholic education network. But yeah, yeah no, so my parents uh, came back to the Catholic faith through that experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so then my childhood was... Well, how, I not... how did your father come around? Oh, yeah, you want to hear that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's very dramatic. <laughs> so my mom had been praying for him. And uh, she actually saw an advertisement for a pilgrimage with that charismatic group to the Holy Land. And my dad has always been a history buff, always been interested in archaeology. And so my mom thought, well, maybe this will be the way I'll get him. Mm -hmm. Right. So they signed up to attend this pilgrimage mm -hmm. and they were in the city of Bethlehem and had done the tours during the day. And then they were at night um, on in this field and 
they were having a prayer meeting and my dad was not having it. He was not happy. He kind of got duped into coming to this event, mm -hmm. right? So he's standing in the back of the prayer meeting in Bethlehem with his arms crossed and he's smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and then some shepherds from the area, local shepherds, came up to this crowd of people praying and they asked to be prayed over. And so the Episcopalian uh, priest that was leading the organization, leading the prayer meeting, prays over uh, this very old man. And all of a sudden, everybody started cheering. And my dad in the back, that's, you know, he puts out a cigarette, like, <laughs> what's going on, right? And they start yelling, he's healed, he's healed. And he had been healed of being deaf since birth. Wow. Like his, his kids, grandkids were there. Mm -hmm. And they all say he's never heard before. Mm -hmm. And so my dad witnessed this miracle. And at that moment, he said, Jesus must be Lord. And I either have to give my life to him or I have to ignore what I just saw. Right. And so he walked up to the front and gave his life to Jesus. And oh. there the story goes. <laughs> And then you, your family joined a Catholic charismatic community, right? They did. Yeah, yeah they have. They are still active members yeah. of New Life uh, Interdenominational mm -hmm. Charismatic mm -hmm. Group, and yeah. that's based in the Maryland area. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up going to Mass in the morning and then to prayer meetings in the afternoon throughout mm -hmm. my whole childhood. Mm -hmm. And uh, today, are they? Uh, they're still practicing that. So. And you wound up going to Steubenville, and well, I, yeah, that's what I was trying to remember. You, your 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 birth was unusual, though, right? It took, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got lots of miracle stories in, yeah. in my family. So, also a part of my parents' struggles uh, mm. in their early marriage is that they were unable to have children for eleven years. Mm -hmm. And uh, that took a toll on mm. them. And of course, as any family, any married couple struggling with infertility, you get these feelings of, Dude, has God abandoned us? What's mm. wrong with me? What's wrong with us? And so my grandmother, very devout, uh, rosary praying grandmother who always watched EWTN all day long, <laughs> she took a pilgrimage to Lourdes um, in, and her request of the Blessed Mother was that my parents would be able to have a, ch a child. And mm. amazingly, nine months later to my grandmother's visit <laughs> there, mm. I was born. Mm. And shortly afterwards, my mom um, contracted breast cancer, so she was unable to have any other children. Mm. So it was just a completely, my life is a miracle. Every life is a miracle. But sort of the drama around right. all of that story is something I also grew up with. Right? Yeah. My parents told me this. My grandmother told me this. And so I always was just very keenly aware that my life is a gift and that uh, I'm here because of a, an intentionality of God's design. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to then use my life to serve him. Right. So you, you go to Stu. Well, first... You have the claim to fame of, of some in the same pool that Michael Phelps did. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got deep Baltimore roots. Michael Phelps, <laughs> yep. We, um, uh, I had a very just a happy childhood. Yeah. And I like to uh, not just credit uh, my parents for raising me in the faith, mm. but also their deep devotion to uh, being mom and dad and always being there for me and mm -hmm. uh, loving uh, my activities. I mean, my dad was at every single s softball game, every single swim meet. He 
he would work his work schedule around being there for mm. me. He would go in at 5 a.m. so that he could get out yeah, and come to my yeah. games after school. And I, I also, when I talk about women and their identity in Christ, I know that part of my confidence in the Lord is because of my parents' love for me, but also deeply how my father treated me growing yeah. up, that I always knew his unending love for me and that I was beautiful and desirable. Mm -hmm. And there just is something really to that that I hope that that parents take seriously about mm -hmm. their role in forming their children is that uh, you definitely need to show your love for them in the simplest of acts, you know, mm. sitting down and having dinner together every night, going to those sports games, um, uh, being interested in their friendships and their activities and, and helping them uh, pick healthy friendships around them as well. Yeah. I remember hearing like this uh, news commentator, big time person, and she talked about she just used to they used to she used to watch the news with her father and they would discuss it and debate it and things and uh and you could see how it just gave her a solidity and a confidence that like her ideas were respected or whatever took taken seriously or yeah. and uh so i think that's great to point that out you know because it seems like men uh i don't know patriarchy however they define it <laughs> you know, it's being kicked around today and uh yeah. seem like we need to talk about well you talk about this like what what needs to what is that that male charism that uh yes how would you describe it the masculine genius that <laughs> had such a big impact on you that yes uh, <laughs> well you know i i can say that I saw that so clearly in in my own father, but also the other men in the charismatic community that I grew up with as my yeah. friend's dads, yeah. right? That going to prayer meetings, I was able to see uh, both uh, men and women, but to see these lay men talk about their personal relationship with Jesus and they knew scripture mm. and they would sing praise and worship songs at the tops of their lungs, you know, things that maybe mm -hmm. don't seem manly mm -hmm. uh, to culture, mm -hmm. um, but it was. And they would be holding their wives' hands in the prayer meetings, and they would just um, have a, a presence of strength that was really powerful. And so that commitment to your wife and your children is uh, definitely something that you can see in the commitment of Jesus to the church, right? right. And that's right. that whole bridal, mm -hmm. um, you know, analogy that Christ gave us and that role of the bridegroom yeah. is, is really powerful, the protecting of your family, um, upholding your wife's dignity. Like uh, I'll share a good example with my own husband. You don't joke about or talk about other women's wives. Mm. Like he'll he'll mm. say that uh, yeah, about yeah. our group of friends. You know, right. you don't even really like give her an extra long hug or anything. Like yeah, no, yeah. Right? right? Right. You have your wife and your yeah. children. That's your family yeah. unit, and it doesn't get murky beyond right, that, right, right? right? And when a man's really strong in his convictions and yeah. in his fatherhood, his protection of his family, and just that 
Um, strength in, in troubled times too, I think is something that can, I can really characterize from my own father, from my relationship with my husband, you know, when things right. just seem too tough, like what we've been through with COVID, yeah. right? Yeah. Like unbearable uh -huh. when I will be weeping, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> my husband will be strong, mm -hmm. right? And he will um, just convince me that it's all going to be okay and we can weather this storm. And yeah. so I, I might not be pinpointing every right, aspect right, right, of the right. masculine yeah. genius, but... Oh, it is. Um, it's a mystery. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to just, you know, delineate precisely or whatever. But mm -hmm. um, I heard one guy describe it too, that it's almost like you you teaching your daughter in the way he treats his daughter he's teaching her that you know, you're worthy of respect and love and this is what you are to expect from other men that men that you would date or what you would look for in a husband is mm. these kind of qualities and uh because it just seems like you know so often you see young women just like why are you with this guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean it's just like this agonizing kind of thing and that mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, and I think too how, you know, like the man's, the husband, the father's practice of the faith has a greater impact on the children's, you know, practice of the faith. Right. Yeah, because there's, I think. Studies have said that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like they represent God the Father, I think, in the family and stuff. And that's what you project, or that's how we see God as a father. And, um, and I, I always say, like, in my own life, too, it's like I needed to hear that when I was discerning the call to religious life, that this this is a good way to spend your life. You know, this is a, mm -hmm. they use the word heroic, but this is a good thing to do, you know. And because um, it was funny, I tell the story. I was, my father passed away from cancer uh, some years before I was looking at religious life, and I and I'm sitting in New Orleans with my grandfather uh, where he's lived and um, we were having like crabs and crawfish and mm -hmm. drinking a beer and and we weren't one to have heart-to-heart -heart talks but right. I, and he wasn't even very talkative but I remember he told me uh, he said well how's it going I was in seminary and I was struggling and uh, and I said I don't know and he goes and he picked up on it immediately he said well, don't don't start that static that's a good life. And I remember he had like a Jack's mm. beer or something. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, I love it. And it was so simple, but mm. I needed to hear that. I needed mm. to hear that he respected it, you know, yes. and respect what I was doing, you know. And uh, yes. so I don't know what it is fully for the daughter or the woman, but I know like the man thing, you know, respect and um, – hierarchy whatever right men want to be respected <laughs> yeah. women want to be loved yeah right? no but that yeah. is so beautiful and yeah. it right that it was a very simple phrase but you needed to hear it that yeah. affirmation right and right. i credit that for my father is that he as simple as you look beautiful today right uh -huh. or you're worthy of, of respect and dignity yeah. it doesn't have to pour out more than that just a very right. simple direct affirmation yeah. of your identity right. and that um is certainly something that uh, i hope all men take to heart is that there is power in your simple words yeah, right yeah so you went to steubenville which is kind of like a charismatic university and uh you had a good experience there and, i did and how did that how would you say that kind of shaped or formed you what's the takeaway mm -hmm. from that 
Well, the, the beautiful thing is that well, I was in high school. I went to a high school run by Nashville Dominican Sisters in the Baltimore area. Yeah. And so I already was being cultivated as a woman leader uh -huh. in that incredible educational scenario in an all-girls school. Uh, but I knew when I was 16 years old, I received this call from the Lord to give my life to him and to serve him in my career. Right. And so I said, well, I guess if I have to study theology, I got to go to Franciscan <laughs> University because yeah. my family, of course, had been involved in the charismatic yeah. movement, had been following Father Mike Scanlon for a long time. And so so I didn't have any other options. I mean, I knew I wanted to go to Franciscan mm. and study theology and religious education. So. I went there and I had an incredible experience, uh, primarily because of the community built there. I, uh -huh. I would actually pinpoint that rather than the academics. The academics were great too, but it the household really, system. yes, the yeah. household system of uh, being united with other women that wanted to support you in your faith, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, really, the experience of studying abroad in Austria was the greatest takeaway of my Franciscan U uh, years, because to be immersed at 19 years old <laughs> in this incredible, you live in the Cartalza, which is an old Carthusian monastery, right? You live in this gorgeous place in the foothills of Austria, but ultimately your entire academic calendar is structured around you traveling on the weekends. Mm. So you go to school Monday through Thursday, you're off, right? From Thursday night to you got to get back Monday morning. And being a part of Franciscan and everything's based on your spiritual life, we took pilgrimages right. every weekend. Right. We weren't going out to the pub, you know? Right. Not that we didn't do yeah. that, but that wasn't the focus of it, yeah. right? Yeah. It was ultimately to continue growing in your relationship with the Lord. So I went to Poland and did a JP2 pilgrimage. Mm. I went to Rome. I uh, went to um, some beautiful cathedrals in Belgium and the Netherlands. I went to see Lourdes, you know, so many places at 19 years old, right? And when you're just looking at it, it's just right in front of you, the depth of our history of our Catholic faith, you'll never forget that. Right. You never forget right. it. And uh, I know that that was one of the most formative experiences of my life was yeah. and doing it with friends. You know, I wasn't yeah. just solo going around, right. going right. on these pilgrimages. I was with people my mm -hmm. age, men and women who wanted to grow in holiness. They wanted to get their medals blessed. They wanted to get mm -hmm. those rosaries. And so it just becomes a part of your lifestyle when mm -hmm. you're uh, when you have an experience like that. Yeah. So it was an ultimate frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> I did. That's what I was doing in college. Football was pretty fun too. That was pretty fun. Now, I mean, yeah. I have great memories, and I think what's so funny, you know, people will say, "Oh, wow! Like, you didn't drink in you didn't drink in college. You didn't yeah. have all these the typical right college yeah. experiences." I said, "No," and I still had fun. <laughs> I had incredible fun yeah. uh you know we would pull pranks on each other right. we certainly do the young adult funny yeah. crazy things yeah. uh uh there's this all these traditions in steubenville where you go down by the river and you have bonfires when you're not supposed to you yeah. know things like yeah. that but none of it was destructive behavior right. that would ultimately harm your soul right right, right. And thank God for that. Thank mm -hmm. God that there is a place, and there are many 
many yeah. universities that uh, are fostering this type of uh, wonderful friendships and lifestyle for young people so that they don't have the damage and the trauma that is happening, sadly, on lots of college campuses. Yeah, and you mentioned that community and the household system. And I remember hearing Father Scanlon say that, that that's, because Stoneville kind of, I guess, bottomed out in the 70s, the Franciscan did. And right. So it, he credited the renewal to that household system, to revitalizing it and yeah, and I, I really think that that is because of the empowerment of the laity that happened in the charismatic renewal that is really mm. powerful. That, uh, like I said before, for me to be able to grow up seeing lay men and women, preaching isn't the right word, but giving um, witness, testimony. witness uh, to the, the scriptures and Catechizing. Um, yeah, 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 evangelizing. And mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, every year part of growing up in the charismatic community was we would go on retreat together and everybody would stand up and give their witness for the year. Mm. What the Lord's done in my life. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and it could be as simple as, um, you know, I, I, was struggling uh, financially and I felt peace after prayer, right? Yeah, yeah. Or it could be a full-blown miracle healing story right. of, you know, um, I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I mean, I've saw miracles like that happen of healings, people mm -hmm. on crutches that then were able to stand and be able to walk after being prayed over. I've been slain in the spirit. I've had those kinds of experiences, very dramatic experiences, right? right? right. In faith. And, uh, and I really believe that part of uh, that empowerment of the laity and that universal call to holiness that we received out of Vatican II and that the church has really done a great job of catechizing all persons to know that they can, they can be holy. I think Steubenville fostered that really well in the household yeah, system, yeah, right? Yeah. And did that, that even you as an 18, 19 year old, 20 year old, you can be active in your faith and in a peer network with one another, call each other on to holiness and grow in holiness. And it isn't just reserved for the clergy or those in religious life, right? right? That all of us are called yeah. to be holy. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've seen that grown in my, grow in my lifetime just here. Like the number, because we see all these people in apostolates and everything and, and just the growth of that, all these initiatives to evangelize. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, just you go to like a, a seat conference of focus, you got right. like 25,000 college students. I mean, that's, that gets your attention. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it does. I mean, that it wasn't does. my college experience back in the 80s, but it was, uh, you know, it's just, it's powerful. And um, so you, uh, you went on to get a master's degree, right? And, um, and you worked for the Archdiocese of Baltimore for a while. And... Right, right. Yeah, like I said, when I was 16, I heard that call from the Lord to be a leader and to give my career to him. So I've always worked for the church since I graduated from Franciscan. I came back home to Baltimore yeah. and I've had lots of different positions in churches and schools in the Archdiocese. Yeah. I've worked at the Catholic Center and the central offices. and. Um, always had a deep love for bringing my gifts to what I love most, which uh -huh. is Christ in the church. Right. 
Now, some people, they don't feel like they have gifts for leadership. They don't want to be a leader. Do you still describe them as leaders or how does that work? Well, I think some people have the wrong definition of leaders okay. <laughs> because let's say, you know, picture a leader. Who, who would first come to mind? You'd probably say the president, mm -hmm. right? Or you would say uh, Pope Francis or, mm -hmm. you know, someone very public, right? And uh, that's something that I actually hope as part of my role in given is to start changing that viewpoint of leadership is that in any sphere of influence in any circumstance that you find yourself in that god has placed you in that you can execute leadership that you mm -hmm. can be a leader and that means using your gifts for others yeah. and drawing them into a better place right right so right. a grandmother is a leader yeah. to her grandchildren mm -hmm. right um a uh you know, uh, a person who maybe is in a very low level position mm -hmm. in the company, right? But inspires others to do better. Right. They're a leader. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have anything to do with a certain platform, microphone, mm -hmm. title. It's truly about knowing yourself, knowing the gifts God has given you and, and using them and thriving in them. Yeah. And that ultimately is leadership. Right. I wanted to talk about, yeah, discerning your gifts. Can you talk about more about that process? Mm -hmm. Well, you just mentioned, too, if someone doesn't see herself as a leader. Well, there are certainly some women who say, well, I don't, I don't have a gift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is my gift, yeah. right? Um, and that lack of confidence stems from not knowing her identity in Christ, mm -hmm. right? And it stems from not knowing that she is a unique and unrepeatable creation. And that's, uh, that's where we're getting all of our sin is rooted in <laughs> not knowing our identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what, the first step to finding your gifts is to first know that you are a gift. Mm -hmm. That even if you never hold a, a um, outward leadership position, right? If you never do anything noticeable, your life is still a gift. Mm -hmm. Like St. Therese is such a great example of this, yeah. right? Yeah. She is the patroness of missionaries and she didn't leave her hometown mm -hmm. except for one trip to Rome mm -hmm. where she begged the Pope to please let me be a Carmelite even right. though I'm 15, right? right? And they won't let me in, right? Uh, and so even in very little ways, right? women and all, all humans can be leaders. So the very first step is to know that you are a gift. And St. Therese knew that. She knew she was a gift, right? That she was a unique creation of God. And then when you know your uh, incredible worth, right? And no matter your outputs and your mm -hmm. outcomes, that your life is a gift and you're loved unconditionally by God, right? Uh, then can you really start to discern, all right, well, what are those unique qualities that I have that the person next to me doesn't have, right? Yeah. That God has created us each differently, right? Mm -hmm. Equal, but different, right? Mm -hmm. And so we help women to discern what are those, those unique patterns that only I have. What is that pattern of motivational design that's within me, right? Um, and uh, what, we, what we try to do with the young women is to help them first to think about 
what are some things that really are my jam? You know, mm. what, what am I really good at, right? Mm. It, is it that I have a certain passion, a certain hobby, a certain maybe creative bent, or uh, what is it not necessarily within the confines of your job description at work, yeah. right? Or maybe where you find yourself in your current life circumstances, but think about what is a, a time in my life when I really felt passion, mm. right? When I really felt excited about something that I did, right? And everybody has a story right, deep right. within them. They do, right? Even those who struggle with deep pain and suffering and trauma, there is there is a glow in everyone somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we help the women to find what is that, that moment of excitement, that deep fulfilling story in your life when you just really knew, man, I did that well, I was really proud of it. And I felt very fulfilled by that activity or whatever that, uh, whatever that thing is that I did. And so when she tells that story to her mentor, mm -hmm. then her mentor will keep asking her questions to go deeper into that story of, well, what are you learning about yourself because of that, mm -hmm. right? What maybe is a charism that is embedded within that story? Okay, so do you have a gift of public speaking, maybe? Do you have a, a gift of administration? Do you have a gift of hospitality? You know, what are some of those common patterns, those common traits that as you get to know a woman and her stories of excitement, of love and passion, that then can help her discover her gift that only she can give and that hopefully then she will use that to serve God through executing something awesome for him. <laughs> and part of their acceptance into the given program is they have to already have some goals or something, right? That So they have, yeah. in some degree, they've discovered maybe a gift or something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, and uh, that's a good point mm -hmm. too, is that women um, all throughout their 20s, ages 21 to 30, are able to apply. And we definitely have more applicants than spots that we can fill mm -hmm. each year. And so part of our discernment process in selecting the women who come to the forum each year is looking for those leadership traits that she's already executed mm -hmm. in her life, yeah. right? confidence in her gifts, right? right, uh, right. A, a self-knowledge, right, mm -hmm. of who God has created her to be. So oftentimes uh, the women that are selected to come to the given forum are women that have some uh, strength in confidence in their skills and mm -hmm. their giftings and have had some of those experiences where they've tested some things out and they haven't worked and so they've pivoted, <laughs> right? right? The great art of continuing to discover yourself. And so, yes, there is some pattern of leadership within the women already when they come to the forum and that just continues to blossom and develop. And as a priest, the thing I most hear too is like, like people want to get married. Like, how can I find a, how can I find a husband? Mm. Um, is that ever like a executable? How do you say that? <laughs> you know, planned thing at the end. Like, this is what you do to need to get married. <laughs> and if you guys have developed Dating advice, the, yeah. What do you tell young people about getting married? Does that come yeah. up for you all? Uh, yeah. yeah, no, it absolutely yeah. does. The yeah. majority of the women are single that mm. come to the forum and then work with their mentors. And yes, I mean, their monthly meetings with their mentors, they talk about everything from mm -hmm. work to dating to um, uh, some all different struggles that they face. Yeah. And that does come up a lot is trying yeah. to find a good husband, trying to find yeah. a good man. And so 
we don't tell the mentors what they need to yeah, say right, to the women right. in those scenarios. Mm -hmm. But the great thing is that we are giving these young adult Catholic women who are struggling someone to talk to about it, mm -hmm. right? Someone who loves them and cares for them and wants what's best for them, right? And uh, maybe to get some advice from someone outside of their immediate family who might be pressuring them a lot of, oh, yeah. you're getting older, you gotta find yeah. somebody, yeah. right? So talk to someone about those pain points and, and to, to pray in those pain points and uh, surrender trust to the Lord in in that struggle because that, that we definitely hear that a lot from young yeah. women. How do y'all balance, you know, to, it's like, like telling them you know, you hear people say, well, you can't settle or you got to change. You know, you, 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 what do you tell people about, you know, how much can you change and should you change realistically? Those kind of things. That's, a, that's like a big question. I, I, always, I always tell guys sometimes, well, you know, get the job part right. Get the career part right. You know, where do you, it seems like that's kind of more attractive to women. You got your stuff together. I can hitch my wagon to this guy. You know, he's moving <laughs> forward. And, you know, work on that. And yeah, I don't know the converse for the women, but uh, that seems more complicated. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, I I would never say to a woman, you need to settle. Yeah. Uh, you need to change. Uh -huh. However, I do think that Catholic culture can set the expectations a little too high sometimes yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the dating yeah, world. Right. Uh, and, and so I, I do think that there is a natural process to falling in love, mm -hmm. you know, and people should be able to go on dates and just get to know one another. Right, right. And yes, you're, you're, uh, faith and morals are very black and white. Yeah. You know what they are. You got to be on the same yeah. page with them. Uh, but uh, sometimes romance is a little overblown, yeah. you know, and Hollywood <laughs> is very much overblown that. Yeah. And so there, I don't really like using those terms settle because yeah. I think there's just such a strange definition around that, depending mm -hmm. on who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I do think there's a lot of fish in the sea. I do think there's a lot of good men out right, there. Right. Maybe they don't have all their ducks in a row, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you shouldn't give them a chance. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's funny that, you know, your advice might be get the get the career and get the get the job settled. Yeah. Um, I That was not one of my priorities mm -hmm. when I was dating mm -hmm. or when I was looking for the right yeah. partner. Yeah. Um, my priorities were... Um, is he going to respect me uh, physically, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and is he going to wait till marriage? Yeah. And does he treat his mom well, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, because then I think he'll treat me well, yeah, right? Yeah. Does he value family? Mm -hmm. Those are far more important to me than mm -hmm. the job and the career. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that those aren't yeah, good values right. to have, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, um, I'm not a dating expert. Uh, that's not part of my job description, but I did date a lot before I got married. So if yeah. you want to, you know, send anyone my way, I could give yeah. you some advice. <laughs> I, I heard a, a, an interview with an author, secular perspective, but she talked about, yeah, like her, her values were just kind of crazy off the chart, way too specific. Yeah. And she missed like the weightier things that are important in a relationship. You know, things that maybe aren't as flashy, but 
you right. find out in the long run, hey, he's dependable or whatever. And, and to me, that absolutely, yeah, that's sometimes that's hard to see as a young person. And but you know, what's coming to me right now too is just how much the faith helps us. You know, if we we put God first, we're practicing the faith. It seems like all this stuff gets in the right perspective. You know how we see people, the world, what our life goals are, and stuff. The importance of marriage and family and stuff. Absolutely, know. yeah, and and all of that is fostered uh, in a healthy family environment too, right? So, right. good future husbands and wives uh, had uh, good parents, you know, and yeah. good relationships with their siblings, and yeah. uh, healthy respect of authority and boundaries and communication, and all of that starts in the home, mm -hmm. right? It starts with how mom and dad love each other and treat each other and ultimately how they model that for their children. And um, and yes, and if you've got those priorities right of going to church and uh, living a moral life, then kind of those other things fall into place, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the work situations, right. providing for your family, all that, it will fall into place. Yeah. What do you tell them about like the personal relationship with Jesus kind of part, you know, that uh, makes the whole engine move just for the leadership forum and things as well. What kind of advice do you give to young people? Like how to cultivate that? Yeah, well, a lot of um, the programming at the forum is not just great keynote inspirational talks, but we actually have prayer workshops every day. Yeah. And so we bring in religious sisters uh, and, and lay leaders as well to help teach different styles of prayer to the young women. So we've had workshops on Lexio Divina, on Ignatian discernment, on uh, even praying with sacred art as a style of having the Lord speak to you by mm -hmm. looking at a beautiful piece of sacred art. Uh, and so helping women to know that there are many different ways to communicate with Jesus and that you need to do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and also, I would say one of the really unique and beautiful aspects of the forum is having the religious, sister, religious sisters present and they pray morning prayer and Compline each night with the young women. And so for them to... Uh, pray the prayer of the church, you know, in community with all of these different religious sisters from different congregations. Uh, the women say it's like a taste of heaven hmm. for them. They see all these women in different color habits, you know, different veils, right? right? They have different charisms and apostolates in their day-to-day -day work, and they're all praying the same prayer right. and singing the same beautiful songs. And this is in addition to Mass, you know, because mm. we all have the experience of the universal, you know, prayers at the Mass. But that is an experience that the everyday young Catholic woman doesn't get to have, right? right. When right. does she get to go to a convent and pray with sisters? Right. She doesn't, right? And right. so to be able to have that experience with all of these different varieties of incredible women leaders in these religious orders is something that's so unforgettable. And I, I know that the women say it is their inspiration to continuing a daily life with Christ and an intimacy with him is seeing how just gorgeous the sisters are, mm -hmm. you know? And, and that is that 
uh, vision of eternal life, right? Is their union with Christ. They are brides of him, right? They're in union with him in a very unique and beautiful vocation. And, and their virginity too, just really uh, inspires the young women, right? And their deep joy and happiness yeah. in their vocation is really beautiful. Let me talk about that a second, because we, we preach on the virginity of Mary, and you try to talk about the importance of the doctrine, and it's it's really, I find it kind of hard in our modern culture to talk about it, because you know, people say, well, you're saying, is marriage somehow um, evil or bad or something? Right. And uh, how do you, I don't know if this is part of something you get into, and these that would be your forte to talk about, but... What is it that that maybe young women respect about it or? Mm. Um, yeah, I, I have certainly heard that argument and sometimes mm. that dismay in yeah, young people's yeah. voices yeah. Of, of feeling that I can't attain holiness unless I become a right, religious sister. Right. And so I do strongly believe that that's part of Given's role in the life of the church is also to showcase holy lay women mm -hmm. <laughs> and to give them a platform and a voice, right? Mm -hmm. Women who are serving their families, women who are working in corporate roles and they are holy, right? Mm -hmm. And seeking the, uh, the face of Christ. And that's important for young people to see the complementarity of these different vocations and the different giftedness yeah, in each of yeah. them. Uh, but what's very attractive about virginity to these young people is that they're not seeing it in their day-to-day -day life, right? Right, right? I mean, heroes and celebrities are certainly not living uh, a Catholic lifestyle, yeah, right? Yeah. And so to play Frisbee with the sisters, to shoot hoops with them, we have uh, some sisters that go for a jog every morning with some of the young women at the mm -hmm. forum. They sit and have meals together, and we have sisters that serve as the MCs, and they're hysterical comedians. You know, <laughs> mm -hmm. to be able to laugh with the sisters, to uh, live life with them yeah. in very normal, raw, yeah. real ways, right. and to hear them talk about their struggles too. Right. Right. is really inspirational for these young women. And then they, uh, they see that a life with Christ and that, that choice to live that union with him is absolutely fulfilling and satisfying and joyful. Yeah. You know, I kind of had a moment like that here. I was you know, in seminary and, and I had my struggles in seminaries at the time, but I remember we had so many priests coming through here and a lot of times it was just like a pilgrimage group, people coming to see Mother Angelica, there'd be a priest with them. So you'd see a lot of different priests in the uh, sacristy. And, mm -hmm. and even today we have like intern priests from Africa and India, it's just fascinating to hear their stories. But yeah. for me, it's like all of a sudden it just hit me one day and I said, you know, I like priests. Mm. They're like the funniest people. <laughs> they look happy, they yeah. look fulfilled. And it's like, mm. it was attractive. To, I, right. I needed to see that. Um, right. And that was a great help for me. It was very simple, but. Um, but That's beautiful. And yeah. offering those opportunities to young people is very important. And, yeah. uh, you know, you mentioned like the Sikh conferences that focus hosts and, and we feel the same way at the Given Forum that giving young people an opportunity to see holy, happy, healthy, 
right. priests and religious right. Right. is so valuable to the future of the church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And there's nothing less attractive than a grumpy priest, you know, right. or a dowdy sister. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Having uh, just shining examples are uh, are really important. And we're all called to do that in all of our uh, states and lives right. and our right. vocations is to yeah. be uh, the face of Christ to right. others. Let me just jump back to a second. You talked about like using art in prayer mm -hmm. and how, what was that method you described? What was the name? We actually call that Visio Divina. And maybe ah. you've heard of that before, but one of our 2016 alum, uh, her name's Katie, she founded and created a beautiful style of praying with sacred art where she has it modeled after the mysteries of the rosary. Is that Zalesque? Or... Her, no, oh, okay. her name's, um, she just got married, so she has a oh, new name. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, Katie Weiss is oh. her name. But um, she, like the, the, one of my favorites, I have the Joyful Mysteries book that she created. And mm -hmm. she has this gorgeous painting of the visitation when Mary and Elizabeth met one another, right? And they both have their pregnant bellies, right? And mm -hmm. there's this just amazing laughter uh, that's depicted mm. in this painting and they're just this all in wonder of ah <laughs> oh my gosh right <laughs> and to sit and look at that piece of art and just ponder that moment and it's a more modern take on it than a, a typical icon right um is uh, just a beautiful way that i've grown in my prayer life uh and and to to have an image and then some maybe some specific scripture verses surrounding that. And then yeah. you can go through that Lexio Divina process of right. you, you read it through <clears throat> and you sit and you pray and then read it a second time. And then what words kind of struck at you? You do the same thing with the piece of art, right? Mm. Oh, well, that, that, the way that she's holding her hand, you know, what's that saying to me, right? Or the expression on her face. What is that saying to me? What's God saying to me through that? So a really beautiful way. And you can actually go on Given's YouTube channel. We have some talks given by Katie hmm. on the Visio Divina method of prayer. Oh, yeah, because I, I guess a lot of people probably have seen some kind of work of art that really struck them and just seemed like, that's yes. happened to me. And then like, I'll look at it years later and it doesn't strike me then. But like at the time, like God used it, you know, yes. in a way that uh, is powerful. Yeah. Like the Pieta, you mm. know, the yeah. St. Teresa of Avila and ecstasy sculpture. I mean, you just think about those incredible pieces of art and how you're moved by them. Mm. And, and God speaks through those opportunities in those circumstances right. and to actually intentionally spend the time to do that and to ask God to speak to you in that way is, is a beautiful style of prayer. Can you think of maybe just a couple stories that kind of capture what Given's about and what your hopes for the program of, yeah. of, of young people's experience? Yeah, no, I, I would love to talk about some of the young women that just came to the forum this past mm -hmm. year. And so uh, one young woman named Clarissa, she has um, a, a biology degree and she's, uh, you know, loves science and loves integrating faith and science together. And so she came to the forum, was inspired to take that training she's had and those specific passions that she has and those gifts and 
her action plan that she's now executing right now, uh, being assisted by her mentor, is she's writing a bioethics textbook curriculum for high schools, for Catholic high schools. And she's working with a team of, um, of uh, folks with their PhD in this area, right, out of different Catholic universities and getting it peer-reviewed and mm -hmm. edited and all that. I mean, really collaborating with experts in the field mm -hmm. to be able to pull this off. and. I'm just really proud of her, you know? It's something that, she's not getting paid to do this, right? It's not a part of her day-to-day -day job. Yeah. This is in addition right. to her everyday responsibilities yeah. that she's completing this project. Yeah. It's a really incredible. Um, and I know, I think I come up, come up against that, like in the preaching, I think to articulate like the pro-life message of the church's teaching on artificial contraception, Right. it's so powerful to say, hey, Biology backs us up. This is a human life that's begun, distinct from the mother. <laughs> or right. even kind of the green movement with women and contraception, that it's not green for the mother to be using this as it's damaging not. her. It's yeah. not, right. Well, and that's another one of my favorite yeah. action plans of young women. We had a, a girl named Bridget that came to the inaugural forum in 2016, and she founded a website, blog, online space, you would call it, that's named Managing Your Fertility, where she pulled together all of the different fertility-based awareness methods of family yeah. planning. So if you go on that website, you can read about all the different methods. Uh, you can also find access to local doctors, pro-life doctors in your area. You punch in your zip code, mm -hmm. you find a doctor, right? And she also has stories of women who are practicing these methods and you know, mm -hmm. practically, right, can say, this was my experience, this is what worked, this is how I can do this, right? And uh, the amazing thing is that if you go on that website, you wouldn't know that it's Catholic, Mm. Right. It's uh, it's modern, beautifully designed, green. Right. Mm. Right. It's attractive to any yeah. woman. Right. Yeah. Who's looking for an alternative right. to artificial contraception and and looking for a way just to know her body. Right. Yeah. And to know the way that God designed her. Um, but that's an incredible resource that she created as her action plan out of the given forum. I think that's a great example, too, of like women's gifts, what they bring to it. I remember during one of the election cycles recently, you know, they had these kind of high profile women uh, politicians and they were talking about issues like um, pregnancy care and uh, sure. all those issues. And I, and I didn't like some of their solutions, you know, yeah. but the issues are being talked about, okay. you know, it's like they're bringing it to family issues. I guess we could sum it up as, and sure. uh, and I thought, yeah, I remember John Paul, you know, saying we need women's influence in the political sphere, all spheres of culture, society. Right, and right. it's like they're highlighting, you know, we need better solutions here. And the, you know, the Catholic Church needs to get in there, you know. So we need yes. women who are motivated for this. Even naturally, they do it. And let's. Let's let the church guide them, you know, in its teachings. Yeah, yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, John Paul II was such a champion for women and a champion for uh, the, the giftedness and the unique giftedness that they bring to every decision-making table, right? right? That yeah. women have a unique perspective simply by the characteristics of their body, right? Yeah. That they have this innate nurturing characteristic mm -hmm. to be able to hold a life within themselves, right? Makes them 
always thinking about the other, right? Yeah. Seeking the good of the other, protecting right. the most vulnerable, which mm. is an unborn life, right? And so that is something that just is so wonderful about John Paul II and all that he has has done for women and yeah. encouraging them to to have their voices heard and to be yeah. advocates in all of those different spheres. Yeah. It really humanizes culture. It makes it a little bit softer and gentler. <laughs> and you, you see that with men. I, I love to see that transformation in men. Like a guy gets married and, you know, he starts to mature. And I think to me, my impression, and I saw this in my family dynamic, was just, you know, it's like the mother, the wife is bringing, making him aware of these needs, right. you know? Like we did, like be you know, a little more sensitive. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and the right. roof's leaking. You know, this is like stuff. And she That's can feather the nest. You know, if she's got her, you know, whatever protection and stuff. But, um, but yeah, like I, I describe it too that, you know, it's like the guy starts having kids, and then like his kids are going to go to the bus stop, and they got to leave the home and walk to that. Now, what's between here and the bus stop? You know mm -hmm. what. You know, I think it fires them up for them to care about what's, it's not just them thinking about themselves, their own survival, right. but hey, I, I need to, this culture needs to be better. This neighborhood needs to be better or whatever. Right. Or even like my daughter's going into this workforce and now these work issues matter to me because my daughter's out there. And Right. So well, a, and that is, that is mothers, fathers, physical and spiritual, right? And that's yeah. something that uh, no matter your state in life, right? That we all are called to, as women, mm -hmm. right? To be mothers right. to all right. and the same for men, to yeah. be fathers yeah. to all. And yes, physical motherhood and fatherhood kind of probably heightens that maybe a little faster, right. uh, but right. we all are called to mm -hmm. those same characteristics. And yeah. that's something that is very attractive about the religious sisters is that they just exude spiritual motherhood, mm -hmm. right? You just feel that care and compassion that they have for yeah. humanity and that yeah. they have all these beautiful spiritual children. And so they model that for many of these single women who come to the forum mm -hmm. that think, oh, am I, am I, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to have children? And it's okay if you don't, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you're single in that state in life for the rest of your life, you can still be a mother, yeah. right? Yeah. And how do you live out that spiritual motherhood yeah. is something that the sisters just do a great job of teaching the women. You know, I, I tell this story. I was at a conference, a marrying conference one time, and, and I don't know, it was like a few hundred people were there. And in between talks, uh, you know, the people that see me on EWTN say they wanted to come up and talk to me. And it was mostly women at the conference. Mm -hmm. But I remember I was so struck by in this line that was coming to talk to me. There were some guys. And but everyone, literally every one of the women asked for me to pray for somebody. You know, like they were worried about this family member, or this friend. The guy would come up and tell me his own conversion story. Right. <laughs> he did not, not one of them asked me to pray for anybody, but it, it, <laughs> it just struck me. It's like, man, you know, this, they, you know, it's the personal and it's like the individual, right. you know, I think men can kind of jump maybe to the bigger scene. Okay. We're gonna get this project going. We're going to serve these people, whatever. But it's like the women are like, oftentimes what my experience has been, they're like content to help this this person. Right. And it might take decades. 
but they're going right. to do this person, you know, and uh, I, I just, I marvel at it. I, it just always strikes me. And, and clearly God has placed it on their heart to pray for people. I mean, I just yes. hear that all the time. I mean, women just that spiritual maternity to pray for this individual Mm-hmm. And women uh, are great yeah. intercessors. That's yeah, yeah, true. yeah. Well, I think a beautiful story that illustrates that. So my own mentor mm-hmm. was one of my former bosses at the archdiocese, and she uh, was the superintendent of Catholic schools and a, a mother of four. So she she modeled for mm-hmm. me work life balance and just a, a beautiful uh, example of professionalism and living out her motherhood as well. But my story is that she was the only woman on the senior staff that uh, advised the archbishop, okay? So she's the 1%, right, Mm -hmm. of bringing the feminine genius Mm -hmm. to a lot of tough conversations. And I was working at the archdiocese at the time that some school closures took place, which that's still happening Mm -hmm. all across the country, right? And so there was a very different perspective from the men looking at the bottom yeah, line and we've yeah. got to make this decision, yeah. right? There's no other option. And and she agreed, mm-hmm. but she also brought a very maternal feminine perspective to the way it was communicated out to the families, yeah, right? Yeah. So if she wasn't there, mm-hmm. it would have been a pretty tight, harsh <laughs> bye-bye, right? Yeah. But instead she went personally mm-hmm. to the community, held a town hall yeah. and that was ugly, yeah. right? But she took it. Right, right? right. She's went through that sacrifice yeah. and loved those people enough yeah, to tell yeah. them to their face, right? right? Rather than getting a letter, right? Yeah. And so I just saw her execute her gifts. And while she was outnumbered, mm-hmm. she was very courageous in knowing that this is the right thing to do. And this is the best way to uh, carry out this difficult decision. And I, I just was, I've always been impacted by that in many other ways yeah. that she just was an yeah. incredible leader. But uh, I, I know that there are gifts that women bring to yeah. all different spheres, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and how helpful they are and ultimately uh, produce great results, right? Yeah. By bringing those sensitivities to right. those right. Uh, those conversations. Maybe we'll just close with this question. And it seems like America's been beating its head against this for, since the Industrial Revolution. But the work-life balance for, for married life, especially for women uh, today, um, talk about that. You've learned something from your own struggles. You married mm-hmm. three kids. Uh, tell us about it. How do you balance it? How do I balance it? Uh, A very supportive partner. You know, I do think that culture is changing, that uh, the men and the fathers are assuming more of the caretaking responsibilities. Like a little example will be, uh, I'm here on this work trip right now, right? And I have certainly had people ask me questions like, well, who's watching the kids? My husband is, (laughs) right? It's 50-50 here, yeah. right? We are both parents yeah. to these children. Uh, and So when and, he's with the kids, it's not called babysitting. Right, it's called, right. <laughs> it's called being not a father, babysitting. Right? He is caring for his own children. Uh, and I absolutely see a shift even from my own parents' generation to my own, you know, my parents' generation to my generation of uh, men very easily are assuming caretaking roles in the family. And I think uh, a shift in that is... Uh, 
things as simple as different policies that employers are enacting where dads get paternity leave these days. They they uh, don't call it paid maternity leave. They'll call it, call it paid family leave because mm -hmm. men and women can help care mm -hmm. for uh, children, new adopted children, parents who are sick, mm -hmm. right? You Both men and women can mm -hmm. provide care for others. Mm -hmm. And so uh, thankfully, I think that has been an easy shift um, in my own life, but also I married a great guy and I have a lot of local family in the area. So uh, my answer to the work-life balance is you have to be on the same page with your spouse uh, on the responsibilities uh, and also that you have a network of support, hopefully uh, family, you know, blood, you know, relatives, but there is always incredible support in our Catholic faith and in our Catholic community and being willing and, uh, you know, gutsy enough to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for talking with us. It's been great. Thank you, Father. Mm -hmm.